Welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Sports 101 Podcast. On this edition of the Sports 101 Podcast, we have a bunch of stuff to get into. We will talk about some basketball, we'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys, and we'll talk about Jerry Jones. But the biggest story of the day, and we're going to start our show with this story, which is... Dan Snyder and the Washington football team and the Washington Post came out with another with another article talking about the same issue, the same culture issue, the same problems that they wrote about in the last article, which is about a month ago, I believe. They came out and said, look, those things that we mentioned on that article, we now have the evidence Showing, linking Dan Snyder, who's the owner of the Washington football team, linking him to to the problems. Basically saying he's the cause of the problems. Okay? This has nothing to do with the name. This has nothing to do with the fact that the Washington football team can't find a name, a new name for itself. But this has something to do with the cheerleaders. And the fact is, the Washington Post came out and said, look... We have the videos of uh, the cheerleaders being taped. We have the tapes. What the Washington football team was doing was taping the cheerleaders, sending it to the team announcer, and the team announcer sends to the owner, Dan Snyder. Before I get into this issue even more, and... Let you listen to an interview that one of the journalists that is heading this investigation, he gave a interview on 106.7 The Fan today and basically said what I said in the beginning of the, 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 the show, which is we have the video, we were given the video, we saw the video and couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe that there is a video. We couldn't believe that we got the video. And trust me, this is the end of Dan Snyder in Washington. Because, just just because of the fact that the the Washington football team is a problem in the NFL. Dan Snyder is being a big problem for the NFL. And the NFL does not want this kind of problem Within it. And look, the NFL is going to be forced to force Dan Snyder to sell the team. There's no way that Dan Snyder is going to be the owner for a long time. It's going to be short-lived. Trust me. And look, if... The NFL gets involved. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Why do you think. That the NFL. Let go. Of. The first report. When Dan Snyder. Fired the team announcer. And said. I have made changes. We have fixed our culture. The NFL thought that was the end. The NFL thought it it was over then. But it's not over. It's even worse. It's even worse than the NFL thought it was going to be. Because of this article that the Washington Post released, I think... Roger Goodell, as the commissioner of the NFL, is going to be forced to be involved and ask Dan Snyder to release the team, sell the team. And you know what? It's better for the Washington football fan, sports fan. Because 
The only team that I know in Washington that has not won a thing except it's the, the, the Wizards and the Washington football team. The Capitals have won before. The Nationals have won. The only two teams that have not won are the Wizards and the Washington Redskins. I mean, the Washington football team. Who, by the way, cannot come up with a name. So, this is going to shake up things in Washington. Okay? Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you listen to an interview that one of the reporters from the Washington Post, who is in charge of this investigation report, gave an interview today on 106.7 The Fan, which is a local sports radio, and had this to say. Was able to go on record and at least open the door. How many of the other women now that have come forward and in this piece that you all detailed... Um, did any of them bring up the fact that Emily coming forward kind of made it easier for them to tell their stories? Uh, because obviously, again, um, you all have ended up with tremendous detail uh, in this story here that after the first one, everybody said, hey, Dan Snyder doesn't appear to be directly linked. That's not the case this time around. How did this come about? Right, yeah, I mean, I think I think absolutely. Uh, I think Emily's decision to go on the record in that first story um, had, a, had an impact, and, and I, some of them actually kind of expressed a little bit of guilt to us that they didn't come forward sooner and that they hadn't gone on the record sooner, but uh, but they saw her sort of standing up there by herself and, um, you know, wanted to give her strength in numbers. Journalistically, you know, you're telling their story. You are their voice. Uh, when, you're, when you're putting this story together, um, how many times do you maybe write something and then go back and rewrite it because you're, you're just trying to capture what they're telling you as perfectly as possible because, again, your words in print are their voice here? Right. I mean, a, a number of times, and, you know, it was, it's a collaborative process. Uh, you know, two, two great colleagues, and Doug Reinhardt and Liz Clark, uh, who were over on this effort, uh, and a handful of great editors. Uh, so it's, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's not as simple as just words go on the page and then out on the paper. When you, you guys have talked to so many people here, as this information uh, starts to come together and you can start to really believe, you know, believe it, I mean, it, without lack of a better phrase, when you start believing what these uh, women are telling you and you're corroborating all of this, is there any time to think to yourself, like, wow, I can't believe this is going on, or do you just have to maintain that laser focus of of trying to to write this and do this and put this whole thing together? Uh, Because to me, in this story, we're starting to see more specific detail here uh, with so many different people and of course it does involve the owner so it really takes it even uh, to a higher level here Do you, can, can you even allow yourself to go wow I, I, this this is really extraordinary uh, what occurred here behind the scenes well I mean what, what we do have to do is just kind of continually take a step back after each individual new interview with somebody and just try to take a look at like from a 30,000 yard view like what's the big picture here what, what are we seeing sort of come together
And how did you, how, how was that process trying to get people to, I mean, once you get the video, obviously you see people on the video, uh, to get any of them to be willing to, you know, go for it and, and, and talk about this? Because obviously, let's face it, I mean, the video is a smoking gun here. I mean, uh, it's one of the biggest por- portions uh, of all of this uh, chaos we have talked about and, and detailed uh, over the past few weeks. But when that fell in your hand, um, at that point, what what is the modus operandi for you all to try and uh, secure people to talk about that video and go on record to uh, be able to talk about it as eventually you did? Well, I mean, it, it's just a pretty... Pretty simple process of going through the staff roster and, and contacting everybody who would have had knowledge of any video of this type uh, in the years that they were produced. And then, you know, and then getting the folks who, who we did get to and convince them to talk to us. And, you know, that was it. That was a difficult process because for the people who had knowledge of these videos, they're... We didn't find anybody who was proud of their involvement or knowledge of this. I think this came from from a deep source of shame, and, and you know the, the the former staffer Brad Baker, who did ultimately agree to go on a record with us, has has long felt guilty that he was aware that this this thing happened. He didn't speak up at the time, but you got to look at it from his perspective. He he was a a young low level video employee, probably making thirty thirty five grand a year, who observes from his perspective. The, the team broadcaster ordering up uh, an unauthorized softcore porn of the cheerleaders for the owner. So what, what, what's he going to do? Like go to HR and file a complaint against Larry Michael and Dan Snyder? Uh, but, you know, that that's the position that, that some of these staffers were in, and that's part of the reason why, why this stuff has stayed uncovered for so long. Obviously, you all got a denial from Larry on the record. Um, any, did you get anything more? From him, or other than basically a, a brief denial, and, and that was basically it, because at least you got him to uh, at least go on the record deny uh, any involvement in this uh, as it pertains to that video. Just, just that, you know, Larry. Um, Larry claims that he has no knowledge of these videos, and you know, doesn't doesn't really have an explanation for why these multiple employees from two different years are saying that they were ordered to make these videos, you know, by, by him. Um, and, you know, all, all I can say to that is that we've spoken to folks who, who worked alongside the folks who had, had knowledge of these videos, and, and, and they said unanimously, you know, these were these were good people. They would not have done something like this unless they were ordered to by their bosses. You mentioned uh, Brad Baker's involvement and, and maybe some guilt on his part. Are you finding more? people that you're coming across as this investigation continues, and I imagine uh, you all aren't done. I imagine at some point you're probably going to have something else uh, down the road here uh, as this investigation continues. Are you finding more employees, though, like him, who do have that, that sense of guilt, like, hey, uh, you know, they feel really bad about not coming forward sooner, but at least now, you know, at least getting that out on the table, they feel like they're at least helping uh, those who were wronged going forward here, at least? I mean, I think there's a little bit of that. I think, you know, the way our story ends uh, with the, what, you know, the, the, the reason why a lot of these folks are coming forward now, not before, is uh, because of what happened in 2018 when, when Brian Lafamina and his team briefly gave a lot of younger staffers some hope that perhaps there was going to be a cultural change there. Uh, and, you know, the backstory for our involvement is that we tried to do these stories two years ago. Uh, but Lafamina was still there, and there were a lot of young employees who, um, a lot of, lot of veteran employees who felt like, well, maybe things are about to turn the corner here. I'm not going to talk to paper about this. And then, you know, that December, Dan fired Brian and then cleaned house, and that led to a mass exodus of employees. Uh, and, uh, and I think for the alumni network for this team, a lot of folks who had, had held their tongues are, are now this year as we're reaching back out um, more interested in talking to us. Do you feel, at least based on your discussions with people when Brian LaFamina was shown the door, that those who may have clung to a little bit of hope uh, felt basically defeated at that point, that if Brian couldn't help the situation? Because we had him in studio uh, multiple times here at the radio station, and each time we couldn't come away feeling better about uh, the direction that he was trying to take the team from a, a business standpoint, but 
did, did those folks maybe feel like, okay, that was our last chance um, at victory? We've essentially lost, and it's time to go at that point? Absolutely. No, and that, that, I think that pretty much captures it. And that's, you know, part of the reason why we wanted to end the story there is to a lot of former employees, that just speaks to kind of the, what they believe is sort of the hypocrisy of what, of what, you know, what Dan Snyder is trying to say now that we, you know, I want a new culture. You know, they, their response is, you had an opportunity to do culture two years ago, but you fired the guy because he was costing you money. You, you didn't like the long-term season ticket plan of trying to build a local season ticket base versus just taking money from Eagles and Cowboys and Giants fans who are happy to buy tickets up on the resale market right now. You mentioned the holy asterisk moments. Was, was it a bigger holy asterisk moment to get the video or what you saw on the video? I get the video. You know, I mean, I mean, look, candidly, as a, as one of the two guys on this reporting project, I, I felt a little guilty reviewing the video as part of my reporting because you know, it's clear these women did not know that this footage would ever see the light of day. Uh, but, you know, we needed to do it to identify who they were and to, to contact them. Uh, and, uh, you know, candidly, I... I I asked, and they were happy to, my female colleagues were happy to perform those interviews because I, I didn't want to be the one informing these women that, uh, oh, you know, team executives might have passed around a video of you nude, and by the way, I just watched it also. Uh, and, um, you know, these women felt deeply violated. They feel deeply violated. And, uh, you know, I think there is the potential for legal fallout here for the team and, you know, for current and former executives who may have been involved with the production of these videos. Well, Hobson of the Washington Post joining us, our final moments with him. Will, when you're, in your discussions with them, I mean, again, most of the time, people that end up uh, involved in situations like this essentially feel uh, trapped and don't have a way out. In several of the cases, though, as we've seen with cheerleaders, quote, per se, around the league, many of them are either very weakly compensated or are not compensated at all. You're just the fact that you're, uh, you know, associated with, in this case, the Washington football franchise um, is supposed to be, you know, uh, big enough for you and, and help you along uh, in your career. But did, did many of them still have that trapped feeling like, hey, there, there's nowhere I could go, so I might as well go along, you know, with the, the chicanery that, that clearly was going on uh, at this time? I mean, I think that uh, I think that helplessness was certainly felt by a lot of the women in the, in the front office and the sales force uh, who felt like this, you know, these daily overtures they were receiving um, were just something they just had to deal with uh, as, as part of the job. The cheerleaders drew kind of an interesting line of demarcation in their heads between the team and the team executives and the, the cheerleading universe. And, you know, they feel there's a very strong sense of citizenship there, there's a very strong sense of, of, of alumni. And, uh, you know, Tiffany Skirby, the, the, the main, um, one of the main characters in this story, who has that allegation against Dan, you know, she continued, she continues to this day to have a volunteer role with the team's cheerleaders, uh, even uh, with the, you know, her, her allegations involving Dan and how he treated her according to her, because she she feels very strongly about that community and, you know, and what they do. The irony is they're told no fraternization with the players. Unfortunately, the people that made those rules uh, weren't following uh, the same lines. It clearly appears here. I, I will ask you this. Is there going to be more? Do you anticipate being more? I can't imagine that you all uh, are even done as of right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't predict what's going to pop into my inbox later today or, or tomorrow, but um, but certainly if, there, if there's more reporting to be done, we're very much interested in doing Well, great stuff, uh, as always. Congratulations to you and all the folks over there at the Post again. Uh, terrific detailing on a very difficult story. Appreciate the time today. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Look, this, this thing, we're back live right now. Um, this thing is... It's going to go to a court. Somebody is going to sue Dan Snyder and the Washington football team and the people who have anything to do with this problem, with this story, meaning the people who, who, who saw this happen and not say anything, the, the people up top. 
this is going to go to court because because as 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 you just heard they didn't know that their video was going from the team announcer to the owner Dan Snyder and the the thing about Dan Snyder is this okay Dan Snyder does not want somebody to tell him what to do that's why he fired a guy, as you just heard from the interview, a guy who was going to fix his problem, a guy who was going to fix the problem of, of of fans not coming in and watching the game. The only time you see a big sale, a whole lot of take tickets being sold are... Dallas versus Washington. Eagles versus Washington. Sometimes Giants versus Washington. The fans here do not want to see the Washington football team play. They do not want to spend their money to see something that is not worth watching. And I also have another interview that Emily Applegate gave to ESPN after she came out and said, and said basically the culture in Washington is not good. There are a bunch of people who are not willing to come out and talk about it because either they work there or either, either they work there or they're told that they can't say anything because they are new people. They get thirty-six, $40,000 a year and they are not where they need to be and they're not going to come out and tell the media about what's going on and, and, and put themselves uh, out of a job. This is what she said to SBN when she was asked, why did you come out and talk? about it what was the reason for you to come out and talk about Dan Snyder and the problem and the culture within the Washington football team you among them obviously you were the only one who was named the other 14, some of them have non-disclosure agreements. Some were fearful of litigation. Why did you come forward to speak to the Post? And why did you agree to have your name used? For me, I don't work in sports anymore. I don't have the intention of ever doing that again. So I can understand a lot of my former coworkers that are still in the industry, you know, that they don't want to come forward or it's just not a right time for them. But for me, it was a really easy decision. Um, I want to be able to make some kind of change, and I can't do that unless I just put it all out there. Emily, in that Washington Post story, you talked about being verbally abused by your boss, Mitch Gershman. What do you think Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen... has for the culture that is described in that story? I mean, I think it starts from the top and it trickles down. So these are people that he hired. These are people that he let run his organization. So if, you know, you're allowing this kind of behavior to happen, 
it's not a good look for you. And I saw an apology that went out to the current employees of the team. Um, it seems a little misdirected. I think there's at least 15 women that deserve an apology of some sort. And I'm sure there's countless others that didn't get a chance to tell their stories. Emily, that letter from Dan Snyder, signed by Dan Snyder and his wife Tanya to team employees, saying they're sad and disappointed, wanting to apologize to each of you. There was that letter. There was also the statement from Dan Snyder saying they were hiring a law firm to look into the accusations in the Post story. What's your reaction um, to that decision and also to the NFL saying that it would wait to take any action against the team until that investigation uh, is completed. I mean, I hope that they move forward with it. I feel sometimes... So imagine just being called stupid on a daily basis and then also almost in the same breath being hit on for your appearance. It's a miserable. Is the interview that Emily Abogate gave to ESPN after coming out and saying that the culture within the Washington football team is bad. And as you heard her describe the way that employees um, treat people, especially women, within the team, it's bad. I mean, there is no way that the NFL can sit back and watch this. By the way, as you heard on, on the interview, there are 14 other women who came out and said, the culture out there, the culture in Washington is not good. It needs to get fixed. And there needs to be an investigation. Look, Dan Snyder, at that point, this is before the second article, which came out today, surfaced. Before today's article by the Washington Post, that the, the interview that you heard was before that. Of course, Dan Snyder is going to come out and apologize. Of course, Dan Snyder is going to come out and say, um, we're sorry, we apologize, we are going to investigate and we're gonna we're gonna figure out what happened, and 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 we're gonna get to the bottom of this thing. Because if he doesn't say that, if he doesn't say that, and apologize, what came out today would have would have came out earlier. Okay, but after what came out today, after today's article by the Washington Post, the the NFL commissioner cannot sit back and and, and say. Look, we're going to wait until the investigation comes out, um, uh, until the investigation is done and the results come out. No, Dan Snyder needs to go now. Dan Snyder and everybody who had to do, who had something to do with this horrible, 
horrible situation need to go. It's not only good for the NFL, but it's it's also good for the Washington football team and for the Washington football fan. Because trust me, the Washington football team have not produced anything. And I will I will touch bases right now about that. About the the, the, the on the field on the field situation. Okay. Look, if you if you now work for the Washington football team and you were brought in Ron Rivera, for example. Okay? He was fired from Carina because Carina was stupid enough to hire a brand new head coach from 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 Baylor, which is a crazy um idea to bring in a brand new head coach and pay him that all that money and fire Ron R- Rivera. But if you're Ron Rivera right now, you're pissed off. You're angry. Because you thought this was going to be a new beginning for you. But it ended up being a bigger problem that you do that you do not need. So for me, the 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 the, the, the problem is gonna get fixed when Dan Snyder is forced to sell the team. Like what happened in basketball a couple of years a couple of years ago, where the owner was forced to sell a team because of the way he was treating people. Okay, that's the only fixed. That's the only fix for this problem. We will get into other stuff right now. The other thing I want to talk about is the Clippers. The Clippers. Won a game um, today, and they're up. I mean, yesterday night they won yesterday night's game, and are up three to two on the Dallas Mavericks. And here is the head coach of the Clippers talking about that. Um, not all about basketball, really. Um, 
and you know, several players did it. Guys are knocking on his door. You know, this team's, you know, we're growing still. You can see it. Um, we've not had the normal time together like most teams. And so, like, things like that, they happen. And I thought our guys are just proud of all the players. Um, as, far, as far as the other situation, um, it's just so sad. Um, you know, what stands out to me is um, just just watching the Republican convention and this this feeling this fear, right? Like all you hear Donald Trump and all of them talking about fear. We're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. Uh, we're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities. Um, We've been hung, we've been shot, and all you do is keep hearing about fear. It's it's amazing why we keep loving this country, and this country does not love us back. And. It's just, it's really so sad. Like, I should just be a coach. And it's so often reminded of my color. You know, it's just really sad. We got to do better. Uh, but we got to demand better. Like, we got, you know, it's just funny. We protest, and they send riot guards, right? Uh, they send people in riot outfits, they go to Michigan with guns and they're spitting on cops and nothing happens. The training has to change in the police force. The unions have to be taken down in the police force. My dad was a cop. I believe in good cops. We're not trying to defund the police and take all their money away. We're trying to get them to protect us just like they protect everybody else. Uh, I didn't want to talk about it before the game because it's so hard Like to just keep watching it. That video, if, if you watch that video, you don't need to be black to be outraged. You, don't, you need to be American and outraged. And how dare the Republicans talk about fear? We're the ones... They need to be scared. We're the ones having to talk every to every black child. What white father has to give his son a talk about being careful if you get pulled over? It's, it's just ridiculous. And it just keeps getting, it keeps going. Uh, there's no charges. Brianna Taylor, no charges, nothing. All we're asking is you live up to the Constitution. That's all we're asking for everybody, for everyone. Thank you. You want to get back to basketball? Yeah. I think we play. You know, one thing I'd say, I think you always play. You know why? Uh, we can fight for justice, uh, but we still should do our jobs. I really believe that. Uh, because doing our jobs, people are seeing excellence from, from Americans, black Americans and white Americans. So I, I don't. I, I, I would still do my job. That's just my opinion. But if my players told me no, it'd be no. I can tell you that. Um, it's when you watch that video. It's sickening. It's sickening. You know, the, his kids were in the car. How do they ever get that out of their mind? How are those kids ever normal? You Deciding for it, not not what would your message be to players who are in this situation weighing these kinds of questions? My message is go after your dreams. You don't allow anything to take you away from your dreams. Uh, Doing the Donald Sterling thing, you know, uh, Matt Barnes and Chris Paul, DJ and Blake and all those guys, JJ Reddick, they all pulled together. And at the end of the day, 
the one thing we decided when we were little kids and we were in the backyard by ourselves and we had these dreams about winning the championship, Donald Sterling was not in our dreams, and neither were these cops. And so they're not going to take anybody. They're not taking our dreams away. All right? And so that would be my message. I have a few questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doc, uh, it, it feels like you're wrong to go back to basketball. No, it's what we do. Like, I should be talking about basketball. Um, and so it's what we do. You talk about being emotionally weak last game. Did you feel like the team really connected on that level today? Yeah, we did. We did all things well today. Uh, tomorrow, we just played together. We played hard. Um, we were aggressive, uh, and more importantly, like it is a human game, and you make mistakes. But we just had so few game plan mistakes uh, that I thought it was it was awesome. But it's one game. Sorry. Next is Maria. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and congratulations on the win. Thanks. How, obviously, you said you want to play, and obviously, excellence of their work, excellence today. But how hard is it for you to like, focus on game planning and the playoffs playing with you? It's troubling. It's troubling. You know, it's because we have to. Like, um, our jobs are we are basketball players, we're fathers. We're businessmen, and and we should still be able to do our jobs. Uh, but it's hard sometimes. Like uh, today was hard. It really was for everybody, every team. Um, but I still think, like when we, we can't stop doing our jobs because it's what we do, and it, it allows us honestly three hours of solitude. Like. You know, it does. Once we're on stage, we can kind of get in our jobs and forget what's going on. Um, you know, so I think that's it. Next is Dan. Kind of along the, the solitude lines, I, I think Trez played five minutes in the first quarter or something like that. He might only have two points, but the way you read it in when he came out the court, was a, a, a genuine, like, you seem really happy with that stretch. Yeah. What, what did you like so much about that? And, and did you feel like you kind of finally looked a little bit sort of like himself? Yeah, I, I told him I was proud of him because he, I think he had two points, right? But he made a difference. And I think, it, you know, Trez is still young, right? And so when you, when you come back, you, you're not in great shape. I think you put so much pressure on scoring. that can do everything and you know he just needed that so I was just happy that he he helped our team without scoring and, and that's what I was selling yeah. hey coach I appreciate that passion and that energy that you, you just uh, conveyed there and I think that's what the, the, your players played with tonight that helped you guys get that big win I would like to ask if you could expound on when you had the first have that conversation with your son about driving, being safe, and kind of being with the law that, as you mentioned, some other people don't have to have that conversation. Can you yeah. touch on that for me? Yeah, basically when they get their driver's license, all of them, you know. Um, you know, um, and, you know, I have uh, an adopted child. Um, you know, you just, you just share with them, be careful. Um, show your hands. Be respectful. You know, it's, it's funny though. Even through that, sometimes you still get shot. So um, I don't know. It's just, it's just really tough. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, guys. So that was the interview that. Uh, Dan Sterling, uh, that the LA Clippers head coach gave after the game. The score was 154 to 111. Dallas lost the game, and the Clippers do have a 3 to 2, 3 to 2, or 
four to three uh, lead, and the Dallas Mavericks are in danger of losing this series. Look, the Clippers are a good team, as you heard on the interview. They just didn't have time to play together because of injuries, because of players being out, stuff like that. And this is this time is for players is um, different than others. Just I just want to stick to to sports. I know he went into politics and everything. I don't want to get into that. This is a sports podcast. I'm stay I'm staying in sports, but sticking to sports. Um, this is a a different time because of the the the, the way that. The viruses and the way that the the NBA has came back to play the end of the NBA season, you're not going home as as you heard on the interview. The players are going back to their hotel hotel rooms, and you're seeing the team that you played or that you played beat or lost to. So this is different, and. And you're not getting to go home. You're not getting getting to go to your families. The Dallas Mavericks, I think, need to play better. They need to shoot better. They need to defend better. Um, the Clippers, I think, came out and and um, took a, a a good lead at first. The 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 Dallas Mavericks had a 19-0 run and lost it and never got it back. The Clippers were the better team last night. The Clippers came out to play last night. And that's why the Clippers won the game last night. This is what the Dallas Mavericks head coach had to say after the game. Improvement Association board member, um, his home was bombed, uh, presumably by the KKK. He was he was out of his house. He was he was at an event with Rosa Parks. He and his family were at an event with Rosa Parks. Um, he was an early civil rights activist. He was um, a white pastor at an all-black congregation, and so the KKK didn't like that. Um, they bombed his house in 1956, and then they bombed it again in 1957. Um, Robert Grace is still alive today. He's 92 years old, um, so he survived it. And uh, he's still... Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's still an activist, even though he's uh, an older fellow now. So, pretty interesting story. Uh, start with questions, Coach. We'll start in the room with Brad. Yeah, go ahead. As much detail as you can. Uh, can you explain how Porzingis went from questionable to uh, being ruled out so early in the day? Oh, uh, we just told Scott he's out. Boom, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> what led to that? It's not. This just not. Uh, he's just. He's not not able to play tonight. You know. Um, there, there's a lot of things that that we're doing with him right now. Um, can't get into details. Uh, trying to move it in a, in a direction to see if he could be available for Game Six, um, but the the bottom line, the, the short answer is um, just not available tonight. And uh, to, to even attempt to play him or talk about it would be the wrong thing. So you know, we're just we're, we're moving from day to day. Um, he is doing a little bit better each day, but uh, beyond that, there's nothing I can really tell you. Mark, I mean, look, we could have we could have said he was doubtful, um, but what's the point? I mean, you know, he's out, and so um, you know that's that's where we are today. And, and look, 
we'll, uh, we'll hope things keep moving in a good direction come tomorrow and then see where we are Thursday. As Lucas made his rise these past two seasons, what's been your sense of what makes him tick as a player, a leader, teammate? Yeah, his number one thing is to is to win. Um, that's what he's always been about. If you look at his career um, with Real Madrid, um, I don't know much about his career before that. He was very young. You know, he was 12 or 13, 13 years old. You know, before that, um, and. You know, he just, uh, he, he's wired to find a way to win the game. Um, whether it's, you know, a drill in practice, whether it's some kind of a game in practice where you're working on one, one specific aspect of your offense or defense. Um, like Jason Kidd, you know, he, he will find, he will find the one little thing, um, that he and his teammates can do to help win that drill. Um, that's that's how I see him being wired. Um, you know, as a leader, you know, he, he's just uh, he's he's risen. You know, week by week, month by month, over two years. Um, you know, the ball's in his hands. You know, it's his team. I, I've told him that. Um, you know, and, and, and his job is to is, is to to play the game to the best of his ability, make his teammates. As good as they can be, um, and give the players around him confidence. And uh, you know, he did he did those things in, in, in game four. Renee, I have one more in the room from Joe Varden, and then you can take it away with Zoom. What did he um, What did he do yesterday and today? I mean, with all those minutes, the ankle being what it was. Yesterday we we had a uh, meeting, and we uh, had an optional. Uh, court work for guys that wanted to go and guys that were low minutes um, so he did not do anything on the court yesterday um, and then today you know he did uh, he did some light shooting this morning hey Mark Falwell hey Rick it's understandably been on the mind of a lot of people uh, in the bubble and those of us back here uh did you as a team this morning have a chance to talk much and share much about the Jacob Blake situation? Well, this morning was one of the few one of the few days we did not have a team meeting. We had it yesterday because we wanted to we wanted to keep our uh, minds on the series. It would have been easy to just just to get away yesterday, um, but we wanted to stay on task, uh, talk about some things that we can do better. And, and and just try to just try to stay focused. And, and ironically, today was a day when uh, you know we did not have um, uh, a meeting before we got on the uh, got on the bus, and it was an optional shoot around anyway. So um, there wasn't really a formal uh, meeting situation, but uh, it's an absolutely horrible, hideous situation. I mean, I, Saw the images on TV today, the video. Uh, it's, you know, it's just uh, it's just beyond dreadful, and um, I just don't have words to to describe. You know, the feeling of watching it. I mean, I, I'm sure just about everybody has seen it now. You know, seven shots in the back. While he's getting in the car with three kids in there. It's just. It's, it's the unthinkable. But it's but these things have happened all too often, and they keep hap- happening, and, and that's why, you know, that's why we're, we're talking so much about racial justice here. Hey, Eddie? Uh, yeah, Rick, along those lines, uh, you guys are providing entertainment for great entertainment, by the way, for a society that really needs it right now. How do you balance that responsibility with what everybody's talking about in the real world and what really matters in life? And, I mean, it seems like a kind of a, uh, you know, it's a tough situation to, to, you know, justify certain things. It certainly does. And, you know, Coming into this, um, 
so much of the conversation about whether Some of my conversations with the Players Association, um, this really happened because um, it was an opportunity to play the game we love. Uh, More importantly, it was a platform to really talk about um, the things that that have been going on in the world, from George Floyd on back. And then, you know, the, the, the recent thing with Jacob Blake is just another... It's, it's just a horrible gut punch. And so there's a lot of conversation about a lot of things right now, uh, understandably so. Um, but, you know, I, I said this today on a Zoom call with TNT. Um, the importance of basketball is... calendar every day is to is, is to face uh, those injustices you know um, going back 400 plus years try to reckon with them understand talk about it try to heal um, and then you turn around and then there's another one so it's very very difficult significant factor in the series around the basket um, and really I mean it started with the one of the seeding games we played against them he, he went 10 for 10 from the floor uh, that was a game we did not do a good job um, defensively you know keeping a body on him and in our coverages you know we've done a better job uh, on him in Defensively, as a uh, as a big body that that moves his feet deceptively well, um, he's been a factor at the defensive end as well. And so, you know, I don't know his exact age, but I know he's a very young player. Um, you know, he's gotten he's gotten exponentially better in the last year. Um, they've done a great job with him, and um, you know, he he is a significant factor in this series. So that was the that 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 was the interview that the Dallas Mavericks head coach gave at the end of last night's game. Before we finish our podcast, I have one more topic I want to talk about. But but before we get into that, I want to talk about the Mavericks. And look, if Mavericks want to win the series and go on to the next opponent. They need to be able to keep leads. They need to be able to score more. They need to be able to 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 get their three trees down. They need to do more. I feel like in the yesterday's game they were not able to keep their leads, they were not able to keep their uh, 19 to not zero run. They gave up three pointers. They gave up buckets. They need to keep 
they need to keep up scoring and they need to be able to keep their leads. The last story that we have today has to do with Jerry Jones and what he said yesterday and the times that we are in right now and with with the things going on today with um police and African American people um Jerry Jones said that we'll talk about the situation and I will talk to my players and try to do um, um, what we did in the beginning, which was kneel before the national anthem. I think, and and Jerry Jones was being uh, torn apart on the sports uh, uh, media today by ESPN um, and Fox Sports. I think Jerry Jones needs to leave this to the players. I think the day to negotiate with the players has came and gone. Okay. Uh, Jerry Jones, with the first interview that he did after him being away for like a month or two, he said this, quote, that was then and this is now. So Jerry Jones, in my book, in my opinion, needs to just let the players do what they do. Stay out of it. Because if you don't, it's going to come back to hunt you. The players are not going to be happy to negotiate with you. Back then, yes, they were happy to negotiate with you and negotiated to kneel before the anthem. And the thing you have to understand is Jerry Jones is not from, from this time. Jerry Jones is not used to this. Jerry Jones is old. And he has known the old times. That's why Jerry Jones is saying what he's saying. He means well, though. Don't blame him because he's from back then. But Jerry Jones, you need to stay out of it. Because the players are not going to negotiate with you. The players are not going to be happy with you. That's my take. Thank you for listening. Thank you for clicking. Until next time, peace out. Episode will be up each and every single day, five times a week at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for clicking. Until next time, peace out.